0: Hey, this is Evergreen, where our stories never go out of season. I'm Mitchell,
1: and this is the Evergreen Season 1 finale. Oh, and, uh, that's Caleb. And here we explore the one thing that brings us together, storytelling. Every tale is written from prompts that are given to us by our listeners. And then we bring those stories to life with atmosphere and sound design. And today's storyteller is Jeff Harris. Yeah, and the story prompts chosen for this tale were a blind narrator, Googling, and a deserted 89 Ford Bronco. Thank you for being with
0: us through all of season one, so prepare yourselves for another incredible story. This is Jeff Harris's Go Get Betty.
2: Cheyenne, Wyoming,
3: said Nick as his eyes shifted to the camera of his laptop. Four friends had all gotten the same email. Three still lived in Southern California, and one lived in Oregon.
1: I'm doing it now. Give me a second.
3: Said Lewis as he turned from his iPad and tapped on his computer.
1: Okay, so the email says that we have four days and we shouldn't waste any time.
3: Mark chirped in. He was on his phone outside his brokerage firm. Steve added...
0: We all knew this day would come.
3: His iPhone leaning against a cereal box as he plopped another spoon of orange goo into the awaiting mouth of his one-year-old son.
2: Uh, it's, uh, 1,097 miles from Scott's dad's. Lewis yelled over his shoulder.
1: Mark here. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, guys.
2: Should we go through with this? We have had plenty of warning, and we're not backing out now. Plus... Four voices all said in unison... We, we promised... promised.
1: Okay, I just booked a flight for tomorrow morning out of Portland. Which of you wants to pick me
0: up at Burbank Airport? Uh, I'm closest. Send me the info. Okay, we'll meet at Scott's dad's house tomorrow at noon. She's waiting, guys.
3: This all happened because of a story told by a youth camp speaker after their junior year of high school. The story went like this. A man with a horrible neck injury was put into a rehabilitation facility for a very long recovery. It was an old place, and the TV didn't work. He couldn't have looked at it anyway. He could only see the ceiling. White, acoustic tiles was all he saw. And he could only listen to monitors and beeps the machines made. He soon got a roommate his name was Chuck. Chuck had been badly burned. They started to talk and talk and talk and yet they were bored out of their minds. Chuck had one problem. The smoke had really affected his lungs. So once in a while he would start coughing and would push the button so the nurse would come suction his lungs out. Chuck hated that part. Chuck told great stories of when he and his buddies would go and see the world. Their trips sounded amazing. One day, Paul asked if he could tell him what was going on outside the window. Chuck told him things in vivid detail. The yellow balloon stuck in the tree. The boy crying because his dad couldn't reach it. The ice cream stand and all the kids pushing to be first. Chuck described the town with its buildings and the church steeple and the two crows who fought for space on the ledge. The old man with blue shoes that walked by every day but seemed to get nowhere. Paul loved to hear Chuck talk. Weeks went by and Chuck would just narrate the day. It helped, it was the best part of the day. Sometimes, something would happen that was so funny that the nurses would come in and tell them to keep it down. The day the man with blue shoes stepped in dog poop almost took Chuck out. He had to be suctioned twice. More days and weeks went by, but the man started to become jealous. Why did Chuck get to see all of this? Why did he get such a great view? Why was he so dependent on the voice of the unseen man next to him? He asked if their beds could be switched. He was told the access for Chuck's suction machine was just on that side of the room. Chuck would still narrate the day, but the man started to just lie there in silence. With every story, he felt how much he was missing out. He just knew that if the beds could switch, then they could position him so he could see all these awesome things himself. One night, the button that called for the nurse for Chuck fell off the bed. Chuck asked the man to ask the nurse to come, but he acted as if he were asleep. Chuck began to panic and cough, and then wheeze. Chuck pleaded, but the man ignored him. The coughing grew more and more, and then the breathing started to slow. And by morning, Chuck was gone. The man waited a few days, and then asked to have his bed moved. They obliged. As they rolled him close, he noticed something out of the corner of his eye. Out the window was just a brick wall. He asked the nurse, Where's the view? She chuckled. This room has no view. But Chuck told me all these stories about what happened outside. The nurse looked really puzzled. Sir, Chuck was blinded by the fire. What? No, no. he told me all about... The man just laid there and cried. <laughs> The story of a blind narrator really affected these five young men. They talked all night about life and what it means to really live it. Early in the morning, they made a pact. Nick scrounged around the college dormitory the camp used over the summer and came up with a fountain pen and a piece of paper. They worked out the details. After they wrote it up, they found a thumbtack. Five bloody thumbprints were at the bottom of the paper. They thought it would take decades for the pact to be put into action. Not one of them believed that it would happen just 17 years later. But there they were, standing in the yard as Scott's dad ushered them in. They walked by boxes from Amazon, bubble wrap everywhere. Lewis stepped on a section hanging out of a box, and they all jumped a little at the popping sound. They just stood in Scott's room. All the pictures of all the places they'd been. All the keepsakes from their trips were on his walls. Scott's dad cleared his throat. He, he loves you guys. And all this? As he pointed to the leftover husks of boxes and styrofoam. Is all for you. He's been planning this for a while. His dad choked up and headed to the living room. But she was still waiting for them. She was a 1989 Ford Bronco they'd christened with an orange soda bottle as Betty. It took three tries and three stitches in Steve's finger. Scott had taken good care of her. The conversations started right away.
2: Ah! I remember we got stuck on the side of the road when we spun out. I remember the road trip
0: to the Grand Canyon. Lewis, your feet stank so bad.
3: I remember when we cruised her up and down Pismo Beach. We only got her stuck once. Steve yelled,
0: Road trip!
3: Before they knew it, they were driving to Cheyenne, Wyoming. They jumped into a sedan they rented for a one-way trip and then clipped off mile after mile after story after story of the road trips their senior year and the long ones after they graduated. The six more they took during their first two years of college, all in Betty and all epic as the stories were told. This one was going to be special as well. They ate crappy food and sang at the top of their lungs to the music that was good, not this junk they have now. Steve and Mark got into a fight about a girl they would both dated and that took all of Nevada to resolve. They laughed like they'd not done in a long time. They took selfies something they would never have thought of as seniors. They took turns driving, and they took turns paying for gas at the pump. They rolled into Cheyenne, Wyoming, three days after they got the email. They looked for the diner that was mentioned in the email. It took 35 minutes to track it down. They walked into the birdcage diner. The walls were covered by memorabilia from the 50s and 60s. The smell of cooking grease and Lysol mixed in the air. They grabbed a well-worn booth. A rock song from the 80s was coming out of a jukebox in the corner. Like it was meant to be, the waitress with the name they were to ask for walked up.
2: My name is Betty. What can I get you, fellas?
3: Lewis looked at the other guys and said,
1: Frog legs and escargot?
3: She took a second and then winked.
0: Oh, coming right up.
3: Mark gasped. It it
1: worked. It actually worked.
3: (laughs) They all sat there with stupid grins on their faces. Betty walked up with four mugs and a pot of coffee. She set them up and then handed them a large envelope with frog legs and escargot written on the outside.
0: I wondered if you guys would ever show up. He was right.
2: You did not let him down.
3: They opened it up and found a map that would take them to their final destination. The note at the bottom said, Don't get there until sundown, which they obeyed. An hour and 15 minutes out of town on a bumpy road, they saw it, a deserted 89 Ford Bronco, Betty. Hanging from the driver's side mirror was a piece of cardboard with an arrow on it. It just made a soft thumping noise as it was jostled by the soft breeze. The arrow was pointing up a newly made path they all just walked up to her and laid a hand on dents and scratches and memories. They turned on their phone flashlights to look inside. They all looked in and saw that Super Attack Monkey was still hanging from the rear view mirror. He was sun faded, but still looked good to them. They peered up the roof where everyone who had ever ridden in her had signed their name with a Sharpie. The doors were locked. They left Betty behind and walked forward 100 yards up, they saw a small generator with a sign, you have arrived, pull the starter cord, which they did. Another 50 yards up, an incredible scene came to life. String lights glowed that were hanging from poles. A boombox started playing a mixed tape from all those years they were on the road. They saw a big tent two big ice chests. A barbecue was set up with the coals ready to light. Steaks, chicken, and sausage were in one ice chest, along with all kinds of drinks, chips, and snacks. A lot of ice was melted, but the stuff was pretty cold. Next to that was a Coleman stove. Mark opened the other ice chest and found eggs, bacon, and sausage. Not a vegetable in sight. A fire pit was off to the side. A little teepee of wood inside with a can of lighter fluid and Bic lighter sat on one of the rocks nearby. Lewis walked over and turned on a projector that was aiming at a sheet tied between two poles. Oriental rugs made a makeshift living room. Right in the middle was a poker table with poker chips and playing cards still in their boxes. Four chairs sat around ready for a game. They just stood there and saw Scott in their mind's eye, setting this all up. They remembered him healthy and lively. And then they came back to reality and saw a man barely 90 pounds struggling to make this happen for them. They lit the barbecue and opened drinks and told more stories. They lit the fire more for ambience than for heat. The night was perfect and still. The occasional coyote would howl and crickets chirped. They played cards and ate and laughed. They cried. As the stars were blazing, they unplugged the lights and took it all in. With stars overhead, they hit play on the little player connected to the projector. A slideshow of their adventures came on. They chuckled that the audio from this state-of-the-art projector sounded like the ones from their science class that used actual old film. It was them. Them at the beach, sunburnt, leaning on Betty. Them on the edge of the Grand Canyon, Them standing at the Four Corners Monument trying to touch all four states at one time. Them cleaning out that lady's backyard after her husband had died. Running the bounce house at the church carnival. Picture after picture. Scene after scene. Memory after memory. Steve at his wedding. Then Nick at his. Both choosing Betty as their getaway car. With Just Married painted on the back windshield. And orange soda cans dragging behind. Scott in the driver's seat both times wearing a chauffeur's hat. Louis driving Betty to his dad's funeral. Mark taking off in Betty to take his dad to his birthplace in Arkansas. They just watched with tears rolling down their cheeks. When the video was over, they just sat in silence. The stars blurred through wet eyes. The moon seemed bigger and yet farther than ever. The smell of sage and a fire getting colder was in the warm night air. Then a string of text came on the screen. Look under the poker table. They scrambled to their feet and looked underneath. Taped to the bottom was a wood box. They opened it up. Only four things were inside. A set of keys, a fountain pen, a piece of paper with three words at the top and a thumbtack. They found Scott's body three days later in the mountains, just four miles from the party site. His body was in a sleeping bag. The autopsy said that Scott had died one day after he sent the email. Cancer had won, but Scott had lived.
2: Okay,
1: okay. That was that great. That was incredible. That was great. That okay. was a lot first of fun. Of all, first of all, thank you, Jeff. Jeff, man. That was an incredible story. It was wonderfully written. One of my favorites that I've ever gotten to work on. Um, what a perfect ending for season one of Evergreen. And also, yeah. th- thank you, Gary Williams. What a voice. What a voice. Um just brought the whole thing together. It I could fall to asleep life. to that. that we had beautiful. so much help on this episode. We had so many people yeah. involved. Little shout outs here and there. We need to give a shout out to Josh Bascara. Yeah, he was the guy who wrote the first episode of of this, and uh, he came back yeah, to do first some voices for ever. us on
0: the last episode of season one of
1: Evergreen. Yeah, and also Chelsea, my uh, my fiance, she actually Chelsea Cartwright. Chelsea another Cartwright, shout out. She actually uh, played Betty on this, so that's yeah. fantastic. Her second time on the pod. Even Jeff was on. N- Jeff played Nick on this, the story writer himself. Yeah, got to be um, a character. I played Mark. <laughs> you played Mark.
0: I played. I
2: think Steve. I played I think Steve. played Steve.
0: Just yeah. this is so much fun. I mean, just amazing. We hope that you all got to enjoy this little climactic fin- finale as much as we did. We really wanted to end off season one with a bang.
1: Yeah, and I think it really was. This story, it had a lot to it. It kind of went up and down and sideways and left and right. I didn't really even know where it was going. It's so fitting
0: that our last last story for season one, the message is never stop adventuring.
1: Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. We're definitely not, because Season 2 is on its way. Season 2 is on its way. In fact, next episode, um, we're going to do something uh, a little special. We've been teasing um, it for a while, and now it's finally yeah.
0: it's uh, it's done waiting in the wings. We're going to do our mailbag,
1: our first ever mailbag episode. Yeah, we're going to answer some questions, and we're going to even talk about Season 2 of Evergreen and the changes that are going to be taking place. And there's a lot of them and it's going to be awesome yeah, and so, i think it's going to be great
0: be sure to join us we're going to we'll be chit-chatting answering your questions telling some stories yeah. it's going to be it's going to be fun it's going to be fun i mean yeah. we're going to have a good time and you're not gonna miss what we got planned for season two because yeah. trust me, we've been we've been putting a good amount of work yes. into it. <laughs> it's been fun though; it's all been good. It's and gonna we just could uh, not be more excited. I can't for
1: wait. It. Mitch just got out of college; he just graduated. I just congratulations, graduated. Mitchell! <laughs> Thank you for Mitchell. I just took your congratulations for you. Thank um, you. And I am moving, so we are going to be freeing up our schedules. We're, moving on we're up. gonna take everything to the next level, and let's hear. Okay, let's hear from jeff we want to hear from jeff thank you so much
0: jeff oh you guys are welcome yeah it was a lot of fun to get to have you come and tell a story and even i mean gosh his voice is like chocolate
2: oh gary's yeah it is amazing so when you guys even asked me i think that was the first thing is like if i can get gary to do this so i'm really just pleased that he did so
0: yeah, I, I, it was just a silky smooth voice. I, it's incredible. He's, what, the voice of the Raiders?
2: Yeah, so he does the voice for the Raiders and also for, I think, Cal football. So when you go to the Raiders game, that's Gary up there.
0: All right, well, I guess that makes sense. That's why it's such a great voice. So the story, there's a lot in there. Uh, yeah. You yeah, packed a lot <laughs> into that, into the stories. I, and the I,
2: topics. Yeah, I mean, the topics were what threw everything there. I didn't have anything when he gave me the topics. I was like... What's this gonna be? So,
0: got Googling out of the way right off the bat.
2: I did, because what else do you do with Googling? I guess someone else could be more inventive with it than me. It's just but kind
0: of a verb. I think it officially became a word a couple of years ago, even.
2: Yeah. And so that's, that's the first thing I was like, oh, it, it, well, yeah. In that story, it was the first thing to do. So, all right.
0: So, um, right off the bat, how much of this story is based off real life? Like, is any of this story based off real life? It just feels so intimate.
2: Yeah, there there is in the sense that I, I mean, I go back to a camp where my friends and I would talk about things like life and what we wanted to have. And so there's some elements of that that were in there. Um, but also um, having a story, I remember being at a camp where someone spoke of a story and it really impacted me and it made me think about life and how I wanted to live it. So that, so as I, as I was putting it together, but really it was interesting interesting the first thing that kind of came was like Cheyenne Wyoming that question mm-hmm. was where that all started to go like what would it look like to have this trip that would go to you know like a, a Cheyenne Wyoming and then that's where it all kind of started to fall fall together so. yeah i'm just kind of putting all the pieces together of
0: them the group of guys coming together after they right. made the pact did did you come up with like the story that impacted them so much first or was it more like how did yeah. how did those fall into place because that story in of itself is really really crazy and powerful
2: yeah, and that really cool use of blind narrator by the way Well, welcome really to, cool okay blind narrator really like the, my, when I was with my son when uh, I got the prompts I was with my uh, middle son and I just said well you could use it kind of like um um, almost as a put down, like, oh, yours, you know, yours, useful as a blind narrator. Like that was my <laughs> first thought with it, and then I just kept going with it, and I just went, wait a minute, what it would look like if there was someone who was a blind narrator, and then, um, but then I tied that to again, I had a lot of incredible experiences at a camp, and so I just kind of put those two together, mm-hmm. but then the blind narrator, that just kind of again, what does a narrator do? They explain, it. so that's where the detail came from, and. Um, but I wanted something that was going to uh, impact those five guys, and then that's where it came from. And yeah, it was interesting just to watch how that all unfolds in your head. So
0: yeah, yeah and that's kind of the fun part of getting a story like this. Did it always? Did was is re- everything kind of the way it was? Were there any like major changes made throughout the story? Did
2: you kind of? La- did it kind yeah. of flow out, or was it more like piecemeal? Um, it flowed out fairly well, except in the original, uh, Mark was going to be the, one of the guys, um, and um, instead but- of. Except uh, Scott. Instead of so Scott. Scott was going to be setting it all up for him, and he was going to be like welcoming them, welcoming them to this place, and then Mark, being all sick, would come, and they would kind of have a last hurrah with Mark, kind of a deal. Mm. That was the original plan, and then um, when I really started thinking about the deserted, um, really the deserted um, 1989 Ford Bronco, is then what switched it. Was I just imagined then Scott kind of like one last his own last trip to do this for his buddies, and then it just then it became. The gift, if that makes sense, he was giving them this incredible gift.
0: Yeah, that's so sacrificial of him to put it on the put on. So, do they find him dead, or is does someone else find them? I know it says three days later. Do you think that I they, never?
2: That's great. I never gave it that thought. I just think it's the idea they know he's. They knew it was over. They knew it was over, right? Because he would have been there with them if he could have been. It was my idea. I, I just in my head. They just really wanted to to have this experience, but he, it was more of what he gave to them. So, yeah, that was what was... Yeah, and it was all
0: those adventures before. I noticed the uh, the waitress, the ra- waitress's name was Betty as
2: well. Yeah, and I think that's just one of things he would have done. He would have... If he could have, if he would have found a place that had a waitress named Betty, that's who he would have talked to. That's who he would have set up the escargot joke with, right kind of a deal. Yeah, that it's almost like cool. this Sherlock level of like a like uh, what yeah. are those where
0: what are those called? Uh scavenger quests. Yeah. For, I mean,
2: I just think that of memories. He's given him adventures. He's given him this this whole thing. And so I even like when his dad talks about the, you know, all the boxes, like he's been planning and he I just see this fully packed. For Bronco with all this stuff, and yeah, yeah. and I think he is getting so much joy knowing that they're gonna have this experience that they're not even ready for, right? And they're gonna take it all in, the, from the slideshow to just that he gave him a great night. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he, and he thought of every detail. I, that that was something beautiful because I think that has, that talks about love of friends and you know the adventures they had had over the years. So, so I have a question. Uh, so who gets the car at the end? Wow. That's a great question. In my mind, Nick. Uh, and the reason why for being Nick is I feel like Nick's the most level-headed and is the one that would kind of take care of her the best. But that's, but, but that's, that's all I had in my head. I, I don't know if there's anything better that way.
0: That's really interesting, yeah. Uh, do you have any specific, like, personality? Like, obviously, Nick was the level-headed one. What were the other three in um, your mind?
2: In my mind, Lewis was more of the guy. I mean, because he, he just seems like he was the one that is the Joker, but... Uh, lovable kind of a lovable guy kind of a deal Um,
1: yeah so I I guess I probably should have asked this more (laughs) at the beginning
2: Uh, how long did it take you to write this from start to finish the concept probably about four hours
1: Story, so i don't know I love that no, no I, I understand is, is that I understand normal
0: that. i mean because i i feel like with storytelling as, as someone who's also done an episode before sometimes it happens in like little spurts but then sometimes you just got to sit down and just knock it all
2: out yeah i was uh i actually went home to uh my niece's graduation um and um, just started writing and writing and writing now editing so, take that out you know all the little tweaks and everything else then it was a lot more than that but the the the, the chunk of the story probably about four hours
1: yeah, so that, the, uh, the box that they find at the end, uh, could you kind of go more into the details on that? Like what exactly, I mean, un- unbox that box, please.
2: In my mind, Scott understands that he, yeah, this is all premature, it shouldn't have happened, but he doesn't want it to end, so he is setting them up that these four will then do this again. So now there's a new paper, there's a new pen, right? Betty's keys. And then there's a, there's a thumbtack so that they can do this again. And I think it's a challenge to them. I think it's just them kind of him saying, I'm closing one chapter and now Betty's still here and you guys need to carry this on. So I love the fact that he gives them this gift, but then he leaves them with a challenge to do it all over again. Right. And maybe, maybe, maybe in a different way they get to write their own pack, their own different thing. But I love the fact that he gave them a challenge at the end.
1: Yeah. I I also really, Liked the ending. We talked about this a little bit last week about the ending of the, or two weeks ago, uh, the ending of the other story. Where it's an emotional journey, uh, especially last uh, last episodes. But I really love when an episode has or a story has more to it than just oh this is sad, so let's let's end it. And yeah, the story I would describe a little bit more as an emotional roller coaster. Was that something that you were trying to achieve by that, or
2: or was it? Um, Um, for me, I like the fact that there was this up and this down. There was a little bit of this mystery of that, you know, who is she? There was that part of like, you know, who is she? And then you find out it's a car. Um, the idea is is that I love the idea that you get the idea. It's an adventure, but you don't know what's really happening. And then you find out that there's this gift that's being given. I, I, I think I just really enjoyed the idea that, that at the end there was this uplift that he, yeah, he dies of cancer. But... He's gonna he's gonna own it and he's gonna give them this awesome thing so I, yeah there was a lot of up and down emotional parts of it so
0: yeah just one one more thing that I really enjoyed we've seen so many I feel like whenever you get uh, call to adventures in story they tend to go along with um, with like a coming of age story kind of thing it's always the younger I really enjoyed that this seemed like a call to adventure but it was to, almost like a call to keep adventuring specifically like, there i feel like there's too many stories out there of just like people who are like stagnant and then go out it's just kind of like people who had already began that process and tell like reminding them to keep doing it i feel like that's an important message that we don't see a lot in storytelling
2: i, I think so too i think one of the things that was interesting if i would have yeah if you guys would let me do an hour long um i think he also don't this is, tempt us yeah i know uh I think one of the things that Scott gave them is is that their road trip from, uh, in my mind, Pasadena, that's where they came from, uh, to Cheyenne, uh, Wyoming, he gave them that gift as well. He gave them another road mm-hmm. trip without them realizing he's giving them a road trip, right? So he gives them this big end. And I think it is that. that these guys should not stop. Their lives have begun. One's a stockbroker. One has a kid, right? But still don't. Don't stop this. This is because they're enjoying all these memories, right? They're, they're looking at all these pictures and why do we, why do we not make time for that? And so that's, that's something that I really enjoyed the idea that he's going, no guys, I don't miss this. This was great. We loved being in Betty and we loved all this. And I, one of the images I love is when they walk up and they touch the dents and the scratches and it says, uh, when it says they touch the dents and the scratches and the memories, like that's where they happen, right? They happen Indents and in scratches, and that's where memories come from. And I, yeah, I love that part.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks a lot. It was, this was one of my favorite stories we've done so far.
2: Oh, thanks. Really appreciate it.
1: Um, So we always do this for, for everyone
0: that comes on. If you, if people want to see either more of your writing or just pictures you take or stuff, What? What? how can they, how can people uh, uh, stalk you on social media? Oh,
2: man. Uh, yeah, you can
0: see all your beautiful pictures of yeah. fountain pens.
2: Oh, wow, that one. So on fountain pen stuff, that's just an inside joke, but yes, I do like fountain pens. We that's, all love a good fountain that's, pen. That's called um, at Pen Hefe, that's yeah it's, yeah, it's where that is. Go check Instagram. him out. Yeah, it's fun. Um, Jeff Cedars, though, is where I do pr- anything else is found with the Jeff Cedars, so you can find me there.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part of Evergreen. It you was bet. It was an honor. Thanks. Man, some really good stuff about that store. I'm glad Jeff was able to sit down with us for as long as he was able to. I know. Um, that's so, awesome yeah we hope you guys had a good time listening to the season finale we want to remind you if you want to ask us questions for that mailbag episode you still can yes please um, do email us at evergreencast at gmail and I promise you we'll do everything in our power to get your question on the episode we'll answer it to the fullest of our abilities no matter how okay. silly it's not, it's not that, it ends up uh, okay. coming out and if you want to talk to us in general and just want to chit chat uh, we are still on social media we are at evergreencast both on twitter and on instagram
1: Yes, and we are both, uh, as ourselves. Uh, Caleb underscore Crawdad is mine, and uh, and mine is
0: uh, off the Walther. My last name last name W A L T H E R.
1: So we post and do stories and all that stuff. Um, I only spell it
0: because they couldn't say my last name right at my graduation. <laughs> yeah, but hey, what else is graduation for? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we hope you all had a great time. I
1: don't know what to say now.
0: I know, I don't. I know you don't. We hope you had a great time with season one of Evergreen. Yes, I had we know good time we did.
1: With, I had fun. Um,
0: and we can't wait to see you for season two. I think she's telling you
1: you're done. It's like you graduated from season one. Mitchell actually graduated. I actually so, Josh. So, come, here. come here, Josh. So, come here. Okay. Okay. Say it's cold this morning, like you did in the first episode of Overgreen. It's cold this morning. Oh my god. <laughs> and I hate the cold.
0: <laughs> hate oh wow, cold. we actually spiked our thing. Uh, um so oh, that sucks. I have to edit it. I that. can we I can now oh. officially say Professionally, my name is Mitchell, and I'm a journalist. And
1: I'm an audio engineer. Professionally, <laughs> <laughs> the big P <pee-pee>. P. With the, <laughs> with the <pee-pee. laughs> wow,
2: Thank you for listening. Have a good night.
0: Caleb.